Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I hope you've had a good Christmas where we were able to celebrate uh, the birth of our Savior with friends and family. And uh, if you're new here, uh, my name's Jeremy. I am the family pastor. If you're, I know a lot of people are out visiting family. I know some family can be visiting here as well. Uh, it's a very busy time uh, this season, and I hope things are settling down. I know that I'm looking forward to some rest uh, after this weekend. This past weekend, we took the students out to a conference called the MOVE Conference, where it was an event that happened pretty much all day Friday and Saturday, so I'm looking forward to getting some rest. Uh, Pastor Jeff is taking some vacation, so he's asked me to preach, and I'm always glad to do so. But during this holiday season, I started thinking about all the reasons why I liked holidays growing up. And really, the main reason why I liked holidays when I was younger was because we were able to get out of school. That was my favorite reason why, because we didn't have any school. But then the other reasons weren't really the reason why we celebrated holidays. For instance, when I learned about St. Patrick's Day, uh, our teachers would tell us everything about who St. Patrick was and what he did. But really, all I heard was, you get to pinch someone that's not wearing green. And I said, that sounds like a fun holiday. So I love that. And I had a very severe case of selective hearing. And I'm sure some parents think that their children have that as well. Uh, but every single holiday, I did not really know what we were celebrating. But I liked it for different reasons. For instance, Easter, uh, I now know that we celebrate uh, that Christ is risen, but before I just knew that it was an Easter egg hunt, uh, and those eggs were filled with candy, and I loved it for that reason. Uh, for Independence Day, 4th of July, I loved it because every year we go to the beach, and at the beach I get to see a bunch of family members I don't normally get to see, and we also make a lot of food, and there's fireworks on the beach. So I loved 4th of July, not for the independence of America, but before, uh, because I got to do all of that stuff with my family. And then when Christmas came around, I love Christmas because I love getting presents and seeing all the lights. I always love seeing all the lights. And uh, hopefully you don't think that's what I think now. My mind has severely changed. But when I was younger, that is why I liked those holidays. But one holiday stood out to me that I really didn't like when I was younger, and that was New Year's Eve. And I know it's coming up, but New Year's Eve I did not like because I didn't like the thought of staying up till midnight to watch a glowing ball slowly drop down and then people celebrating. My bedtime was 9 o'clock, and I did not like staying up past that. And so uh, everyone was super excited, and I was just asking my parents if I could go to bed. And so uh, I've, I've soon to grown to like it a lot more. I, I actually love New Year's Eve now, uh, not because of staying up or uh, going to friends' house, but because I'm able to look back at what I've done throughout the year. And I'm one of those people that I love setting New Year's resolutions. I love uh, making myself better and just being able to look at what I've accomplished throughout the year. And I know some people say you can't break a resolution if you don't set one. I'm not one of those people. I love setting resolutions. And one of them is that uh, last year I said that I wanted to read more. And that was even uh, one of my resolutions the year before. I said I want to read at least one book every month. And... Uh, being in school, I have to read a lot of books, and being in ministry, I have to read a lot of books. And I wanted to say, I wanted to read books outside of those books. I wanted to read a book for fun because I want to become a better reader. And I was able to do that. I did the bare minimum, and I read only one book every month. So I read 12 books this month, which some of you guys might not think that's very much. Some of you guys might be very avid readers. 
Me, I was not a big reader growing up. Whenever we had a reading report for school, I would pick a book that had a movie, and I would just write about the movie. I never got caught doing it, but I, I, I'm ashamed to say that that's what I did. But uh, I, I would just pick uh, a movie and write about that, and hopefully I would get away with it. So I know that I need to be a better reader, and uh, I'm not going to sit up here and toot my own horn. I will say I failed plenty of resolutions, including this year. One resolution that I set this past year was to drink less soda. And now I love soda. Every single time I watch college football, the official drink of the NCAA comes on, which is Dr. Pepper, which is by far my favorite soda ever. And I want it, I crave it, and I've completely failed miserably at it. I'm pretty sure I drink more soda this year than I did the year before. So hopefully I can set that resolution this year and stick with it. Uh, because soda is not that good for you. It's filled with sugar. I know I need to not drink as much. But that is what New Year's is all about. It's about starting again or having a new slate, starting fresh. And so a lot of us set these new resolutions to uh, become healthier or just to improve ourselves and make ourselves feel better throughout the year. But at the same time, a lot of us set the same resolutions every single year, year after year, because we constantly fail. We, we feel like we didn't live up to that expectation of what we set out to do. And a lot of times, our spiritual lives are the same thing. Many people set the spiritual New Year's resolution to read their Bible every day. But yet, before they're out of Genesis, they stop reading. Or many people say that they're going to uh, stop a certain sin or stop a certain addiction in their life. And they end up, before January is over, they revert back to that sin, to what they were doing previously. And I know that I've done the exact same thing. I'm not calling anyone out uh, here because I have done the exact same thing. And Scripture warns us uh, in Ephesians 4 about this. In Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as Gentiles walk, and the fertility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. My pastor back home has a saying uh, that I love. He says this all the time, but he says, Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Now, I don't think he came up with that term, but that is where, who I learned it from. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin isn't just something that we can mess around with. It will grab hold of us and keep us there without us really knowing that sin has a hold on us. And at first we might start to feel a little guilty. We might start to feel a little upset with ourselves that we've sinned, that we sinned against God. But then it gets a little easier to get over that guilt. We feel a little less guilty as time progresses the more that we sin. It gets a little easier to move on from that pain that we have whenever we first sin. To the point where we no longer feel guilt, we no longer feel shame for that sin. That, that sin has become a part of our lives, and we don't even flinch when we commit that sin. We become calloused to that sin. 
When I share my testimony, I always talk about how I was callous to the phrase, Jesus died on the cross for you. Because that's a phrase that you hear a lot growing up in church. You, you hear a lot. You should hear that phrase a lot in the church because that's what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross for you and me to take away our sins. But growing up, I heard it so much that to me, it just didn't have any meaning anymore. I really didn't understand what it truly meant because it, it no longer penetrated my heart. It no longer had any meaning to me just because I didn't understand it for so long. And then I heard it for so long. It didn't mean anything. It no longer I no longer felt anything when I heard that. And just as if you've ever learned to play the guitar, or um, I know a lot of different people can build calluses from different things, but when you're first starting to learn the guitar, uh, your fingertips hurt really bad from pressing on the string so long. But if you look at a seasoned uh, guitarist's hand, it's, it's very callous. It no longer hurts them to push down the strings because they've done it for so long, their skin has built up a resistance on it. And that's the same thing that we do with sin. We, we no longer feel that guilt and shame from that sin, and that sin has become a part of our lives. And out of that sin comes more sin, and that sin is new, so we start feeling guilty for those sins, and we, we try to suppress those sins that are coming up. It, it's almost like we're trying to mask the symptoms of the main problem. We're not, we're not looking at the main problem, which is the sinful life that we are living. And, and that is what the problem is. And it seems like really bad news for us because we are all sinful people. But if we keep going into verse 20, we see the good news coming. So let's keep reading. Verse 20, But that is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, because the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupt by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. We have put away our former ways and replaced them with Jesus. We, we have replaced our former ways of sin, the sinful acts that we commit, and have replaced them with the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean that those temptations won't come back or that new temptations will come forward. Uh, I, I remember, I think, uh, the second to last time I preached up here, I talked all about temptation. Temptation is going to be with us everywhere we go. No matter what we do, temptation will always be there because Satan wants us to fall. Satan wants us to be tempted and fall to sin. And so that sin is going to be around us forever until we die and we're with Jesus. And, uh, but if we look in verse 23, it says you are being renewed. You are constantly being made into God's likeness. And when that is happening, we find it so much easier to break away from that sin that has been holding us down for so long. We're being renewed into the likeness of God. And when that's happening, we can stay away from those sins. It becomes so much easier because we are so close to God in those times. And maybe you're saying, Jeremy, I I've done that. I I've struggled with this sin for so long and I've asked God to uh, help me overcome this sin, but it just hasn't happen. And what I want you to do is really examine your spiritual life. Because a lot of times we can convince ourselves of something that we really didn't give our all. We can convince ourselves of a lie if we tell ourselves that lie long enough. 
For example, there was a man that was very tall. And if you're my height, if you're not gifted with uh, the giftedness of verticalness, um, most people are pretty tall. But this guy, he was, he, when people came up to him and said, wow, how tall are you? He would tell people 7'2", which 7'2 is very high. And uh, every single time someone came up to him, he said, yeah, I'm 7'2". I'm and finally someone came up to him and said, hey, like, if, if you're 7'2", it, it might be a good idea to go see a growth specialist. Like sometimes there's something that could happen to your body if you keep growing uh, and you get to a certain height. And uh, so he went to this growth specialist, because apparently there's enough people out there that have a growing problem. And when he went there, he was expecting the doctor to run tests on him, to take blood work from him, to figure out if everything was okay with his body. But the doctor didn't do any of that. He, the doctor just went up, stood on a chair, put a tape measure on the floor, and measured up. And he said, I actually have a problem for you. We, we found a problem. He said, what is it? He said, you're not 7'2", you're 6'5". And now to me, 6'5 is really tall still. But to him, he convinced himself that he was 7'2 for so long that he was completely devastated when he found out that he was only 6'5. And I don't know how that happened. I don't know if he just measured wrong. But he told people that he was 7'2 for so long that he actually believed that he was 7'2. And now that's not just uh, something that just might happen to one person. It could easily happen to you and me. And for example, when I was younger, uh, I found out that my dad wrestled in high school. My dad was a big wrestler, and I wanted to be like him, so I wanted to wrestle as well. And I wrestled for one year, and I think that was back in 2002 when I was in second grade, so I was very young at this time. But I joined a league, and uh, I was starting to learn some of the wrestling basics. And then finally, we had our matches that came up. I believe it's called a match. I haven't wrestled in a long time or done anything with wrestling. But we had our, uh, my first match, and uh, I was up against this guy that I didn't know from some other county. And uh, right when the whistle blew, we were supposed to kind of run at each other and start wrestling. And uh, I had a better idea. I said, this guy can't pin me if he can't catch me. <laughs> and so instead of going to wrestle him, I started running around the circle and just said, like, no, 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 you can't catch me. And uh, eventually he called up to me and we started wrestling. And honestly, I have no idea how I did at wrestling. I do remember, though, my dad told me one time when I went up to do my match, the other guy didn't show up. And I asked my dad, Dad, why, why didn't this guy show up? I was ready to wrestle. And my dad said, oh, Jeremy, he saw you before in your previous match. And he was so scared of you, he didn't want to show up. He, he left. I was like, man, I'm pretty good at wrestling. And, and to solidify that, at the end of the year, uh, my team was giving out trophies, and I got a second-place trophy, and it was this, like, three-foot-tall trophy. And I was so proud of myself, and honestly, I, I have this habit of starting something that I like, and then halfway through it, I realized, you know what, this isn't really something that I enjoy as much as I thought. So I only did wrestling for that year, but I was talking to some of my friends in high school, and I told them, yeah, I wrestled for a year, and I was pretty good. I got second place. I have this trophy upstairs. And I went up and showed them, and I came back downstairs, and we were hanging out for a little bit. Uh, but then once my friends left, my mom came up to me, and uh, she said, Jeremy, um, we never told you this, but there were only two people in your division. <laughs> and that's why you got second place. You were at the bottom, <laughs> but you got second because there was only two people. And so I lied to myself this whole time thinking that I was good at wrestling when really I probably lost every single match there was. That guy that was scared of me, he probably was sick and just didn't show up.
But I told myself that I was good at wrestling for so long that I believed it. And so I want to ask you guys, did you really try as hard as you could to overcome that sin? Were you really trying to overcome it? Were you really trying to be as close to God as you could? Were you praying for strength every day to overcome the sin? Were you setting time aside uh, to pray with God, to spend time with God? Or were you just giving your leftovers to God and said, God, you know what, I'm very busy during this holiday season. I'm really busy right now. But at the end of the day, I'll get with you. I'll, I'll start reading my Bible at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, your bed is looking very comfy. And I know because I've tried that and it does not always work well for me. And so were we really giving our time to God? We're, how long did we pursue God for? How long did we pray for? I know for me, there's been times where I've said, God, I've been praying this for, for months. Like, why, why isn't this prayer being answered for me? And then I start reading the Bible, and then I come to Abraham, and Abraham had to wait 25 years for the promise of God to come to him. And then when putting that in perspective, I'm like... God, do I really have to wait 25 years for this? I really don't want to. But it puts us into perspective of uh, even in the Old Testament, people had to wait for so long. We see examples in the Bible of people that kept the faith, that trusted in God, even though that God wasn't speaking to them at that time. They knew that God had a plan for their life and they trusted in that plan. They believed in God and they were consistent and uh, praying to him and spending time with him. And the paradox that we face is that while freedom from sin's eternal penalty is already ours, freedom from our formal ways, uh, which is to say a life of sin, comes only through our daily quests of obedience and purity. These are lifestyle commitments that every believer is called to make. Your mind can only be consistently renewed by God if we are consistently pursuing God. As I talked about, God is renewing our minds, and unless we're spending time with God, that renewing becomes much harder. It becomes much harder to be renewed by God if we're not spending time with God. And so I'm sure many of us feel like we need to have a spiritual New Year's resolution. I'm sure many of us have felt God tugging on our hearts throughout the year or with just within this past couple months of saying, you need to do something different this year. 2020 needs to be different. And maybe it was a realization that you need to get closer with God. Maybe you need to start pursuing God more relentlessly than you ever have before. Maybe it's a sin in your life that you know you need to stop, but you just don't want to. Maybe you need to take out a hobby in your life so that you can make that time for God. Maybe you need to forgive someone of a sin they committed against you before, and you've just been holding on to that, and it's just been something that's been keeping you down for so long. And whatever it is, I pray that you will follow what God has told you to do. I mentioned at the beginning of this service that we, uh, the students and myself, we went to an event called MOVE, the MOVE conference. And it was in uh, Macon. And David Crowder was there. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he, uh, you probably heard his songs on the radio. A lot of different bands came, a lot of different speakers. Uh, someone named Clayton King came, and I love when he speaks. Uh, he always spoke at Liberty, so I know him a little bit. Uh, but at the end, they always have a similar commission. They always have a different theme this year. Uh, they always have a different theme. Uh, and this year's theme was We Move Together. But they always have a similar commission. 
You see, in order to get into the event, we had to have this black wristband that I have right here. In order to get into the event, we had to hold up our sleeves and show that we had this around our wrists in order to get into the event. And uh, they wanted us to think about everything that we've been learning over the past two days. They wanted us to uh, just look at everything that the speakers had told us, everything that God was just pressing on our hearts throughout uh, worship, throughout the reading of the scriptures, whatever it was, they just want us to think about what God was telling us to do. And they told us to get out our wristbands and to flip them over. And they said, uh, on the other side, it says, my next move is dot, dot, dot. My next move is dot, dot, dot. For many of them, it was baptism. Something amazing happened. On Friday night, there were over 309 people that gave their life to Christ that night. And there's about 3,000, 4,000 people that showed up, but 309 people gave their life to Christ. And their next move was baptism. They were talking about baptism a lot. But for a lot of people, their next move is a little different. Their next move might be starting a relationship with Christ. Or people that have already started a relationship with Christ. Maybe it was setting time aside to read God's Word. Maybe it was setting some time aside to be praying more. Or maybe it was to be worshiping openly more or to share Christ with others. Maybe there were people that their next move was to tell someone about Christ that God had been placing on their hearts. And I can go on and on, but I hope and I pray that God is showing you what your next move is supposed to be, what God wants for your life. And I'll close with this illustration. Uh, two years ago, I, I decided that I wanted to start living a little more healthy. And I said, you know what, I'm going to start going to the gym in the morning. I, I tried going to the gym after work and I just, uh, I felt kind of exhausted at the end of the day. And I just said, the gym is not where I want to be. So um, I'm also not a morning person. So I'm not really a morning person or a night person. So, uh, so, but but I said that I'm going to start working out in the morning. And I, I wanted a little more motivation, so, so I got something called pre-workout. And if you don't know what pre-workout is, it's pretty much a powder that you mix in with water that you take before a workout. And it's supposed to give you a lot of energy. And it's not good if you take it uh, and you don't work out. Because it starts making your heart pump, you, you start feeling really antsy. And that happened to me one time, and it's not a fun experience. But anyways, the first morning came, I got up early, I fixed uh, my pre-workout, and I headed to the gym. And I was like, man, this stuff is really working. Normally, I'm so tired in the morning. Uh, normally, I, I'm just really lazy, and I'm just very slow. But when I got to the gym, I'm like, man, I'm wide awake. I, I feel energized. And I started working out. I'm like, man, I'm lifting more weights than I ever have before. This is awesome. I'm, I'm going to be ripped in no time. Like, why, why has no one ever told me about this before? And so I'm going through my workout, and towards the end of my workout, I'm like, man, this is going so good. Like, I'll be able to do this every single day. But then on the last set that I was doing, I was like, oh, no, something's terribly wrong. And I just started sweating so much more than I already had been. My head started feeling funny. My stomach started feeling bad. And I was like, okay, I, I, I might pass out. I don't know what's going on. But so I went to the bathroom, and I was feeling so bad, I just laid on the bathroom ground. And in that bathroom, I was like, this is it. I am going to die at Anytime Fitness in Barnesville, Virginia, all because I started working out in the morning. And I was so scared in that moment. But I laid on the ground for 20 minutes 
because I just overexerted myself. Because previously, beforehand, I was not working out. I, I did a little bit of running in college. I worked out a little bit in college. But before that, it's probably been about three to four years between when I worked out. I just went 100%, and my body just said, you're done. I'm shutting you off. And I was just laying on the ground. And finally, after 20 minutes, I was able to get up, and I got home, and everything was fine. I never took pre-workout again, but I didn't work out for three more months after that because I said this was horrible. Now, that's a very similar experience a lot of people have when they set their New Year's resolutions, especially when it comes to working out or exercise. They just go gung-ho 100% on that first day, and the next day they feel so awful that they're like, man, I'm never doing this again. Whereas we need to take steps to lead up to that. We kind of have to work our way into it. And so those people that uh, start a New Year's resolution spiritually they say, I'm going to read so much of the Bible at one time, and they read so much, and then they just get kind of burnt out towards the end, whereas they should have just been taking it slow at first. I know people that have uh, set time, and they've said, you know what, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes a day in the morning. But if you don't normally pray, you'll probably pray within two minutes, and you'll say, well, what else can I pray for? I normally, I've already prayed for all the stuff that I've already prayed for, whereas if you have uh, been praying for a long time, those have those who have been praying uh, their whole life that have set time aside just to pray, they'll be like, man, I've had to get up earlier because 30 minutes isn't enough time to pray for everything that I need to pray for. Because they've taken that time to slowly increase that time over and over. And if you're wanting to grow closer to Christ, you need to be spending more and more time with Him. You need to be increasing that time more and more. And uh, of course, you can spend the entire day reading your Bible, but the next day you're probably not going to want to do it because you'll just be exhausted from doing that. And so you need to take baby steps in order to get to where you are. And so God might be calling you to be doing something, but we need to realize what our next step is. And that's what this wristband was for. It's what is your next move? What is your next step to get to where God is calling you to be? And so hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys know what God is calling you to do and what you need to do. And I know that sometimes it can be scary, but God has given us a spirit of boldness for us to follow what he has commanded us to do. So what is your next step? What is your next move that God is calling you to do? Let's pray. God, we are so thankful and we rejoice for all those who start a relationship with you and move this year. And I pray that 2020 will be the best year we have serving you and drawing closer to you. Help us see our sin in our life and prevent us. Uh, help us see the sin in our life that is preventing us from drawing closer to you. And break our callous heart so that we know when we have sinned against you. I pray that we can all take that next step, those next moves towards you, and just live the way that you had commanded us. Give us boldness and courage to overcome this sin in our life that we struggle with so that we can draw closer to you. And I pray that we will just give you all the glory and all the praise this year in 2020. In your name we pray. Amen.